0: Thank you, Davison. Uh, One or two people have asked me how I am, and uh, I was here a fortnight ago and told you, I'm doing all right. Uh, The boot's just my uh, sop to becoming a stormtrooper out of Star Wars, uh, and I hopefully won't need it in a fortnight's time when I go back to the hospital, but thank you for asking. The story of Zacchaeus, or Zacchaeus, very well known. Do you want evidence of how well known it is? Yeah, that that was the right answer, yes. Thank you, Daniela. Okay, I'll start, you join in. Now Zacchaeus was a very little man, and a very little man was he. He climbed to the top of a sycamore tree for the saviour he wanted to see. Yeah, that's enough, that's fine. Uh, Before we turn to this story in uh, Luke 19, Luke is the only gospel that includes this story of Zacchaeus, Uh, I want you to note that you've got a little sheet which is not there by accident and it's got a lot of, not all of, Luke 18 on it and I suggest that you, you have this near you because you'll know that one of the things that I do from time to time is say to you, just take note of what's happened before you get to the bit we're going to study. Okay? And that's what we're going to do for a little while here at the start of this, this sermon. Uh, so take a look at this first, this insert. Uh, on his way to Jerusalem, and he's going to pass through Jericho, which is where we are when we get to Zacchaeus, Jesus tells a parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector like Zacchaeus is. And the Pharisee is full of pride and he talks about his generosity in giving away money. But his prayer isn't received by God. The tax collector is full of repentance, acknowledges his sinfulness and need, and, says Jesus, is justified and accepted by God. And having told this parable, when we get to chapter 19, Jesus is going to meet a real tax collector, and the parable is going to become real. And then, following this little sheet, Jesus blesses little children, and he says, whoever does not enter the kingdom of God like a little child will not or will never enter it. And in the story of Zacchaeus, we have a small diminutive man doing exactly what an excited child will do and launching himself up a tree and enthusiastically receiving what Jesus is going to say to him. Then comes the story of the rich young ruler, another very well-known story. Good teacher, what have I got to do to inherit eternal life? but he loves his riches too much and won't surrender them and therefore walks away sadly, causing Jesus to say how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. Now Zacchaeus is another rich man who is going to gladly receive the salvation Jesus offers and voluntarily surrenders his wealth and ends the story rejoicing. The rich often get short shrift in Luke. But here we see Jesus offering salvation to a rich person and the rich person receiving it. The rich young ruler doesn't, Zacchaeus does. Sometimes rich people do enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, Jesus is an equal opportunity saviour. Popular, isn't it? Rich or poor, Jesus can save you from your sin, from yourself, and can transform your life for the better, whoever you are. And now we who are among the richest people in the world have to say, isn't that good news? But very challenging news. Uh, And then finally, in... Chapter 18, we've got this story at the end where Jesus heals a blind beggar and gives sight to this person in exactly the same imagery that Jesus is going to give sight to Zacchaeus so that he sees what is happening with Jesus, in Jesus, and by Jesus. So that when Jesus says, salvation has come to this house, we're capturing together all sorts of images which include, this person has got sight. This person has realized just what is on offer and has received it. Well, I just thought you might like to do that. That's your Bible study for the week. Luke, like all gospel writers, and the early church who helped construct these gospel books, put these things together very carefully, we haven't just invented a series of resonance. Luke wrote it like that so you'd understand the resonances. But let's turn to this passage uh, in chapter 19. Another story found only in, uh, in Luke, as I said. Well, we're in Jericho it's an ancient place. It appears in the Old Testament. It's about 18 miles away from Jerusalem, but it's connected by a very windy road through some mountainous territory. And therefore, you've got connections instantly, you biblical, literally, biblically literate people, with the story of the Good Samaritan, also found only in Luke. A man was walking from Jerusalem to Jericho when... It's a wealthy town... It's a beautiful place. Herod's palace was built there. There was an oasis and palm trees and beautiful gardens. It was a rich trading center and it was a customs tax center because all goods were taxed with a proportion going to the Roman occupiers. And Zacchaeus is a tax collector. No, no, he is the chief tax collector. He's the supervisor of all the other tax collectors and no doubt receives a cut of all what the other tax collectors get. You see, to collect taxes, you had to buy a franchise from the Roman authorities and then return a proportion of it back to them. Uh, it's, It's a bit like our railway franchises, whatever you think about them. They're auctioned off to people who bid for them. And therefore, you gave the Romans the levy that they asked for, where you want X percent, and then you could keep the rest. And actually, as long as it didn't bring about civil unrest, then you could set the customs charges at whatever you wanted to increase or deflate your profit margin. Well, you can imagine how popular they were. They were despised by the Jewish population. Uh, Not least because a good number of the tax collectors were themselves Jews and therefore they were seen to be people who just betrayed everything that the Jewish people stood for. So they were regarded as unclean. Uh, One reason why the tax collector in the parable in chapter 18 that we've just looked at stood outside the temple is not because he didn't want to go in, he wouldn't be let in. You don't let Unclean quislings go into a holy place of God. They were outcasts, and good Jews wouldn't associate with such people in case they became tainted themselves. They were regarded in Jewish uh, rabbinic law in the same way as you were meant to uh, approach a prostitute or not approach a prostitute. In fact, some rabbis taught that it was okay to lie to a tax collector in order to protect your property and goods. Evading taxes as old as civilization, I guess. Well, let's look a bit more closely at this well-known story, and it's a bit of a scattergun approach this morning. I'm going to cover quite a lot of things quite quickly, and my hunch is that for 99% of people in the room, 90% of this will go past you, and you say, well, that's quite interesting, but it doesn't pertain to me, but 10% of it will affect about 10% of the population where they'll say, he's talking to me this morning. So listen to everything, just in case. Why does Zacchaeus climb the tree? Don't be stupid, Martin. He's short, he's four foot two in his stocking feet. He's smaller than that John Wesley bloke whose statue's downstairs. There's a crowd of people there, he wants to see Jesus He can't. Crowds are sometimes really helpful and encouraging. You're in a crowd with a football match, and they score a goal, and just to be together is fantastic. Now, I'm a lead supporter, so I wouldn't know anything about that. But if you're like Tony and Francis Miles, you celebrate lots of goals, and to be in a crowd... But we all know what it is to be in a crowd of people where you're about this tall and everybody who in front of you is six foot seven and built like a, a prop forward. And you they just obscure your view. And uh, they obscured Zacchaeus's view. Even... The crowd sometimes, uh, sorry, just, I'm, I'm just thinking aloud here. If you go back to chapter 18, the story of the man made uh, with sight to see, man born blind, see. you start that, if my memory is correct, with, and he can't get near Jesus and he has to shout out and people keep saying to him, just shut up, shut up. Or take the story of, of, of the children where even the disciples now start to try and protect and shield Jesus from these people who want to bring their babies. And Jesus basically says, get out of the way. Let the the little children come to me. Crowds sometimes encourage, but they sometimes are a barrier. And they're a barrier here. And I just ask the question in this scattergun sermon. Are we as Christ's crowd here in this place with our multiple ministries and efforts for the gospel a helpful or an unhelpful group of people enabling people to see and encounter Jesus Christ wesley's john wesley's repeated phrase was i offered them christ in our groups and in our worship a key question is if people say to us we would see jesus are we allowing them to see Jesus? Or somehow are we in the way? What's the first thing that Jesus says to Zacchaeus? Well, look at the text. The first word Jesus says to Zacchaeus is Zacchaeus. Jesus knows his name. And Jesus calls him by name. Do you know that Jesus knows your name and calls you by name. He died on the cross for every soul on earth that's ever been, but he also died for you. Many people choose to follow Jesus, but they can only do so one by one. Have you chosen to follow him yet? Have you heard him call your name? Well, there's no suggestion in this text that Jesus knows uh, Zacchaeus' name supernaturally. He probably saw this little man climb a tree some way up the road, and as he's walking along with a group of people, he turns around and says, Who, Who's that bloke up there? Him? He's called Zacchaeus. Don't bother yourself with him, Lord. He's scum. A tax collector. Look, when we get there, just walk on the other side of the road. And Jesus heads right for him. He stops and looks up at the little man in the tree. Zacchaeus has climbed up the tree to look at Jesus. Only to find that Jesus is having a good look at him. You see, Jesus Christ is the one-person search and rescue team, par excellence. In our testimonies, we often say something like, I found Jesus. When in fact, more accurately, we realize that Jesus is searching and finding us. Our critical choice is whether or not we're going to allow ourselves to be found. Yes or no? Zacchaeus, come down. Do you know that when Jesus calls us, in one way or another, all of us have got to come down? down from our high horses, down from our inflated opinions of ourselves, down from our own protestations that we're not really all that bad. Only when we reach a kind of inner tiredness with who we are and how we are, and there's the flickers of a desire to change and be changed, And somehow, in all this slipperiness of language, we come down. That's when Jesus can do business with us. Zacchaeus, come down, for I must stay at your house tonight. Jesus invites himself into our space, our life. And our role is to simply open the door and say, yes, or shut the door and say, stay outside. Zacchaeus says, yes, straight away. Do you know he nearly ripped Jesus' hand off? He didn't run a bed and breakfast, as far as we know. He might not be used to having visitors. But he says, yes. He's longing to receive Jesus into his space, his place. What's his? Are we... What happened in the conversation over dinner between Zacchaeus and Jesus? We have no idea. Because I guess there are some things that Jesus says just to you and only you know and that's enough. What we do know is that Zacchaeus was profoundly changed by whatever happened. So notice this, Zacchaeus stood up and said, and I just want you to note in this kind of passing scattergun sermon that in Jewish society, a little bit like a wedding reception, when somebody stands up and says something, they're going to say something that matters. They're going to declare something. So Zacchaeus stands up and says what? Two things. He stood up and said, look, Lord, Lord, from the lips of Zacchaeus, for the first time in the story. He's probably heard rumors of this traveling rabbi, probably heard stories of his teaching and healing recited to him. Perhaps he's even heard stories that this man befriends outcasts and has a peculiar way with meeting with people that no one else wants to bother about. He might have even heard that some people are whispering, could this even be the Messiah of God that we've been waiting for? That's why he so wants to see Jesus when he hears he's coming through town that he climbs up a tree. And now he makes his own mind up. Whatever's gone on between them, after dinner he stands up and he says, look, Lord. Here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor and if I've swindled or cheated anyone, I'll pay them back 400%. And I just know how unlike some of us that is. Often for us it's, I wonder how little I can get away with. I wonder how little change I've got to make before I can be regarded as a Christian but still sort of keep this over here. In Zacchaeus, we just see abundant gratitude resulting in restitution, resulting in generosity, resulting in salvation today, says Jesus, salvation has come to this house. You see, salvation is holistic. It's got to do with the personal, yes, and it's got to do with the social. It's got to do with the spiritual and it's got to do with the material. It's got to do with the religious and, if you like, the secular bits of life. It's not just what we say that we believe, it's then what we do and how we live. Lord, here and now I give. I will give half of my possessions to the poor. In other words, I'm going to start living a completely new way. What we're seeing is a turnaround life. Uh, For those of you who like common Greek words, a metanoia experience, where someone is orientated towards this and they encounter Jesus and now it's this. For the benefit of people listening to this, and haven't a clue what I've just done. I've just done a small pirouette. Perhaps... Well, if that's what salvation means, has salvation come to you? The West is full of people who can recite the Apostles' Creed and then completely ignore it. The West's also full of people who wouldn't know what the Apostles' Creed is if it jumped up and bit them. But notice this, that Zacchaeus, Jesus doesn't say to Zacchaeus in the tree, if you give away half of your money, Zacchaeus, and if you repay people twice, no, no, four times, what you've swindled from them, then I'll come to your house and then we can have a talk. No, 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 what Jesus says is, I must come to your house, and what happens, happens. And it's the same with us. We tend to say, if I can just get my bad habits sorted out, if I can just reform myself, if I I can just sort my life out, then I can do business with Jesus Christ. Wrong way around. Zacchaeus didn't have time to tidy up and put the things he'd rather see in his house away before Jesus got there. And neither do we. Jesus invites himself into our lives as we are and says, yes or no. So this gospel passage poses several questions to us. You are known by name do you know Jesus by name? The Son of God is seeking you. Is it time to allow yourself to be found or found anew? Perhaps you're still acting as if you need to get things right in your life first and suddenly you realise that's not going to be the way it happens. Perhaps you need to To recognize coming down from some kind of puffed-up self-image and do business with a Jesus who calls you down and looks you in the eye with love and with acceptance and offers a way forward. And perhaps today you've realized that salvation is not just what you say, it's what you do and how you live. If so, How might people know that salvation has come to your house? Has salvation come to some in our house today? If so, we rejoice. Amen.